I really got it. Ain't no secret to it. If I did it, then I had to do it. What's up, guys, and welcome to another Senior Quotes podcast. This is a very special one. I'm joined by Jack Coleman and our guest host, the guest of honor, Tony Reale. Tony, how are you doing? A guest of honor? Is that, is that because I'm old? You're gonna call me no, no, of course not. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to put put a number to your age here, but uh, he is a alum of CBA class of 1996. CBA class of 1996, which means, gentlemen, I'm turning 40 this year. Oh, man. Well, that's 40. a big one. That's the big 4 up. <laughs> I've been doing around the board since 2004. I was did PTI since 2001, which means in in one I was, what, 23? And then oh four. I was hosting around the board by the time I was about... 26 with a few appearances before that when I was a little bit younger than that. And now I'm 40. Now I've got a little Francesca and I've got two more on the way. Twins coming and die. Awesome. This summer this year. And I'm all into dad mode. So oh, yeah. There we go. Ready. There we go. You're like Brady. Yeah, You're like Brady out here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Well, so Jack, can you explain to both Tony and to any new listeners how the structure of this podcast works? Okay, so the show is Senior Quotes. Basically, every episode, Aiden and I bring in three different quotes. Now, to get a point, the other person needs to guess uh, who said the quote or what it's about, and they get a half point for getting both parts of the quote right. Um, yes, sir. And the, does, whoever, this sound, does this sound like Around the Horns? I, I based it <laughs> off of Around the Horns. <laughs> at, at least our scoring system is a little more legitimate. I don't know. I, it's just. A, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think you're accurate on that assumption. Yeah, get, get Gutierrez on here. <laughs> I, I doubt he could. Uh, you know, now you're sounding like Bomani Jones to me. Bomani okay? oh, Jones. Oh, okay. okay. Who I am uh, two hours away from from muting back to the Stone Age for or yet again. Bomani is on a dry spawn around the horn right now. Oh, he, wow. You know, of course, he was doing highly questionable on his own That's radio true. show. So he hasn't been on regularly uh, hmm. for much of the summer. He moved uh, from Miami to New York in that time as well. But his last winner around the horn is March 28th. Wow. Today is. What is today? January what? 29th? Yes. Yeah. 29th. He's got 10 months yeah. without winning around the horn. And wow. he's really questioning the score. He says, so you're absolutely right. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Well, it, that's, that's hilarious. It's good to bring up this scoring system real quick because as of right now, in terms of wins, Aiden and I are tied <laughs> with three and three. We each have three wins. So this is a very special episode. Oh, okay, One of good. us is coming okay, out yeah, with good. the lead. Okay, good. So let's, let's see how that plays out. All right. Yeah, so, um, I mean, with that, let's get into the first topic. Obviously, the big topic around all of sports is the Super Bowl that is coming up. So yes. I'll, I'll take the lead. I'll start with the first NFL quote that I've collected. Um, so I'm not expecting you to get who said this okay. because this is a little bit off the board. Well, In I'm fact, I'm going to tell you who it was. This is the former Giants quarterback, Jeff Hostetler, okay. who won the Super Bowl in 1990, replacing Phil Sims, okay. an injured quarterback. Okay. So... The shadows are a good place to be. He doesn't have to prove anything to anyone outside that team. I think that's the key. Oh, this is the boy. Who's the boy? This is the boy. This is Nick Foles. That is Nick this Foles. This is Nick Foles and the, the underdog <laughs> Eagles team. Yes, it <laughs> wow. is. I'm giving you a little bit of a softball here. I'm giving you a full point for just answering that. But Thank I really you. want to get into a Super sure, Bowl talk. Sure thing. Obviously finishing with... But it's with a pre- good point. It's a really good point. And, and you brought up Hostetler now. Now let me be old man here and tell you about Jeff <laughs> Please. Hostetler, all right? Jeff Hostetler was was a different type of quarterback than Phil Simms, who was more of a, a traditional passer, especially in the 80s. Hostetler's game was probably closer to today's game than a lot of quarterbacks in that time. So when Simms goes down, and, and, and Simms didn't really play 
the, the entirety of the season, although he was getting healthier and there was some question whether he would ever be able to make it back. Hotstetler was, was the guy who had never really had the starting starting job but always been known as the best backup at the game. Mm-hmm. Different than Foles because Foles had the Pro Bowl season under his belt yeah. in a completely different system, of course, with Chip Kelly. But uh, Hotstetler was a likable guy, and, uh, and I, I think what made him special was that he was playing a game that nobody else was playing in that time. Um, he, he was running the ball quite a bit. They were throwing. I mean, Hotstetler never really threw the ball downfield. He threw quick outs, and, and that's very similar to Nick Foles' uh, game right now, but he was more mobile. So it, it was interesting you bring up Hotstetler. I like Hoss a lot. Hoss, Hoss was a steady, steady backup and had – you know, the season of his life and wound up winning a Super Bowl with it, which might be the case with Nick Foles. I was going to say, that is that not the perfect comparison? I mean, yeah. I was looking for just something to talk about Foles because to think, you know, like you said, he did have a Pro Bowl season under his belt, so he comes in here as a backup who had shown before with the Eagles, obviously he said in a totally different system, but, you know, to see him come in like that and just tear up the Vikings, who we thought were a top three defense in the NFL, and I still kind of believe they were, but they did not show up in Philly. I also think playing in front of that home crowd is something that we might be taking for granted. You know, the underdog masks all around, and we saw how Philly went crazy after that win. I thought it was a little ridiculous of how many times they've been called the underdog. I mean, the Eagles are a legitimate team, even with all the losses they've taken this season in terms of losing players to injuries, Uh, you know, like Wentz. Um, Jason Peters, Jason the all-pro left tackle, yeah. Um, but in general, I, I think the Eagles will give the Patriots a good run for their money this upcoming weekend in the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a, a lot closer than a lot of people uh, right. seem to think. Yeah, so we'll get into our own predictions, but I did see in the new edition of Sports Illustrated that they're taking the Patriots by either 11 or 13 points. Um, I think that's just Ooh. too big of a margin, uh, a margin Excuse me, in any Super Bowl game, you know, not, especially where... You have two number one seeds. Mm. You know, like you said, the Eagles have taken injuries. They don't have once like they did during the regular season. But uh, even so, I think it'll definitely be closer than that. So. I think if you went back and you looked, I mean, Super Bowls do have the tendency to get loose sometimes. Mm. By that, I mean, I don't think there was a Super Bowl inside 10 points for, for about 15 years or 19 eight. I mean, maybe, the, of course, the 2019 game that the Bills and the and the, the Giants won. Mm. But um, there, there was not a close Super Bowl for about 10 to 15 years in the mid-'80s and mid-'90s um, when it's a one game and everybody is, is taking risks that they won't take once they go down a little bit. Sometimes games get away from you. But I think the most telling thing here, if you're going to consider making a prediction uh, on this game, is look at the Super Bowl the Patriots have played in, all of them, all of the Belichick Super Bowls, the game they've won, the game they've lost. They've all been close. They've all come mm. down to the last three to five minutes. Belichick is the best coach we've seen, period. And he's who you want coaching a tight game late, period. Mm-hmm. But he's also played a lot of the tight games late. And they, in seven Super Bowls or five and two, they could easily be three and four or two and five in those games. I mean, you have field goals winning it over the Rams, who's been mm. a his first kick, and also another one where they beat the Panthers. You've got the two Giants games that they wound up losing, and those games could have gone either way. Amen. Amen. Win over over the Eagles was a three-point game, although they were leading that game by double digits in the fourth quarter. But that's that's a three-point game as well, Mm. 24-21. And then the Matthew Butler interception game, and of course last year. These are all close games. So 
<laughs> if you're not going to study the history of how Belichick has decided to coach Super Bowls and play Super Bowls, um, I, I think you'd be foolish to think, you know, sure, Patriots might be a better team than these Eagles, and, and maybe, you know, if they were playing their best football, they would be a 10-point better team. But they nearly lost the Jaguars last time we saw them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's one thing going for. And in the history of the Super Bowl, they play tight games, and that's, that's good for us viewers, and I think it's going to be a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, so very good points, and you're right. To see a prediction like that on the cover of Sports Illustrated, an 11-point margin, as you said, every single Patriots Super Bowl has been so close, and in fact, the Patriots are the ones that take heavy deficits at points in the game, so just like the Falcons game that we saw last year. So I definitely think that that prediction, it's a bold one, you know, to say definitely. the least. It's a hot take, hot as take. we like to say over here, oh. yeah. So... I mean, since I'm guessing we have more Super Bowl quotes yeah, on the board, would you like to well. go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one, you can just guess who said it and what it's about. All right. Um, so it's not quite where I want it to be right now, but hopefully by game time it should be. All right. So, so usually we have a shot clock here, maybe get 24 <laughs> or 30 seconds <laughs> because okay, all right. I have an idea and I'm not – totally confident in it but i i know we're talking about an injury that may have happened last week or two weeks ago that's pending and i'm the the person who i'm leaning towards is rob gronkowski and his concussion the the problem is he said it's not where i want it to be you do you think that means his health do you think that means his concussion i'm gonna say it is gronkowski you're wrong. Oh, great. We're talking Brady <laughs> on the injured hand. Oh, of course. And first off, I want to say it's absolute BS, Ooh. okay? Because I'm sick and tired <laughs> of the Patriots every year coming up with some stupid excuse okay. to get them hyped up. I think this is all Belichick and Brady's head, Ooh. like hyping him up, getting pumped up for this game. There is nothing wrong with Brady. We saw last week he threw for 290 yards, okay. two touchdowns in that late game comeback. And that was supposed to be his bad game with the right, hand. Right. I don't buy it I was at say, all. I completely no. forgot about that. I, I, that is crazy. I thought Gronkowski was the real concern injury-wise, but you're right. Tom Brady no. apparently he, is injured. And this was, re- this was this weekend he said this again. Wow. So I don't, I don't buy it at all. But you bring up so, Gronkowski, and I do think that that is going to be the difference maker in this game. I was, mean, yeah. he is cons- potentially one of the greatest tight ends of all time. He's unstoppable out there. Um, and he's going to be a real threat to the Eagles' well, defense. It's hard to contain Gronkowski. I think the difference maker in Super Bowl Forty Six was Gronkowski being injured. I remember a ball getting thrown to the end zone as time expired, yeah. and Gronkowski's injured ankle is why he couldn't get to it in time. So I think that's a good yeah. point. Um, Tony, I got to ask, what are your thoughts on the Tom Brady injury report? Do you believe it? Uh, or? Well, I'm, with, I'm with it 100. percent there, there was a Super Bowl a few years ago where he's walking around in a, in a boot, you know, the walking cat. I think, I think the Patriots try awful hard to uh, muddle uh, up everybody's, you know, uh, version of their injuries. Uh, we know Gronkowski has concussions. They can't hide that one. Yeah. But they're doing their best to pretend like Brady still might have some questions about his hand. I, I never believed he had it. Two weeks ago, I don't believe he had it now. He's got a cut on his hand. All right? That, that's probably true for half the quarterbacks who play during, <laughs> during a game. So I don't have a problem with that. When you're analyzing quotes from Tom Brady and or Rob Gronkowski, you've got to be sure. Gronkowski, you're never going to get 
a two-syllable word in there. So if there was a two-syllable word, that's that's reason right there why it couldn't be. That's out. that's a very good point. <laughs> um, oh, so man. so real quick, I'm gonna hop back into this. Okay. I I've, I've been watching Tom on Tom versus Time on Facebook. I have not. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is BS. This is a <laughs> further reasoning why this is BS because the amount of training that guy puts in is ridiculous. I it's something to truly right. behold. I yeah. mean, he is. If you got look at guys like Kobe, where they're in the gym constantly, it's what makes the greats. And actually, Tony, on um, around the horn, I listened the other day. Uh, you guys were talking about Brady or Jordan, who's the better uh, all-time mm-hmm. goat? Yeah, let me hear. Let me hear. The uh, the greatest goat of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so everyone was kind of dismissing this argument, and I have to disagree because I think you can only compare the players based on what they are capable of doing in a game. Okay. Although you're able to say Jordan played also defense, I think that you can't limit Brady just because he's not out there you know, playing corner uh, right after he throws a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think that you should base this based on what they can potentially do in a, in a given game. In their position, yeah. So, I agree with that. I think there's a theory of relativity here, too. <laughs> in that, by that I mean... Um, what is Brady relative to his other players in his sport? What was Jordan relative to the other players in his sport? And that, that way, you can kind of measure, you can compare apples and oranges if you compare, you know, the, the apples uh, to other apples at yeah. first. So what I'm saying is Brady's got, you know, the five rings in, in his span. We've seen that from, from teams before Montana um, got to a level where he never even threw an interception in the Super Bowl. Any anyone is for Super Bowl. Um, I, I think I think nobody had won six and eight years in in two generations of NBA uh, since the Celtics had done that, and that's kind of what separated Jordan. But also in that particular discussion, the goat could know something more than just they were the best player on the floor. To be the greatest of all time, you have to transcend a lot of things. And I think it, to me, it came down to the logo. Honestly, it I think so as well. Man. It came down to the fact that. You know, uh, I think Blackstone said it. You got you got teams in other sports wearing Michael Jordan logo, mm. and that to me is what what the goat is. That's why Muhammad Ali gets called the goat. He's in that he's in that conversation because he transcended his sport and was was really you know the beacon for all athletes at that time. And he was very political too, so he was doing something that Jordan and Brady really don't do. Um, so unless TV twelve becomes a billion dollar industry, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, don't, I don't think the Jordan comparison is going to work. Uh, and that's one thing you, you said it. You actually just tried my memory. You know, Brady's got the hand injury. Oh, he, he's stricken by this, this this fatal flaw in his hand. Meanwhile, he's a guy who's got his own pajamas to make him sleep better, and he hasn't had a tomato in four years because they're too inflammatory. So if he's, if he's taken down by a cut on his hand, then his entire TV twelve. Uh, uh, Sleep-induced pajamas and everything else—the the special water he's trying to sell people would be proven as fraudulent. Which gotta, I gotta get those crazy. electrolytes in. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I'm glad you brought that up because this is literally what my second quote is. I'm you're getting a bunch of softballs today, right, so you're awesome. you're lucky okay. now. I'm rocking them. I'm rocking it. You gotta tell me. You don't even have to tell me who this is about. You can, but just tell me which analyst said this and I'll, I'll tell you it is not Tony Reale it is not a Tony Reale quote but <laughs> this guy on the biggest stages keeps coming up as clutch as anybody ever I'm the biggest Michael Jordan fan you'll find on the planet but this guy's even more clutch than Michael Jordan is this uh, Stephen A 
I felt like it was. It was his longtime partner, Skip Bayless. Okay, so all right. You're not I'm, far I'm off. In the ballpark. Now. But um, and I'm not even gonna give you a point for knowing that it was Tom Brady, just because we talked about it. But I, I gotta give my two cents. I mean, we're talking, we're taking, we're both taking AP statistics here as one of our courses. And the immediate thing I thought about when you're saying comparing apples to other apples, oranges to other yeah. oranges. There's this thing called Z-scores where you can compare two completely different uh, numbers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And you can put yeah. them onto the same scale. If there is a way yeah. to do this, like you said, you can think outside the box and see what their brands are and see how much of an impact they have on their culture almost and sports around them. But inside of the sport, you know, you can look at the other current quarterbacks compared to Tom Brady or the other current wings, or not current, but during the time of Michael Jordan. And when you look at it in that way, and I know Skip here is talking about, you know, the clutch factor, not, not exactly their talent. Obviously, both were or are the top player in their sport at that given time. I would almost lean, I mean, it's so hard to go against Michael Jordan with all the points we presented, but seeing quarterbacks and how dominant they are and in such a great system as Bill Belichick's, I'd almost want to say Tom Brady does pass Michael Jordan in some sort, some kinds of measurements there it's so tough to say but let's see yeah i got really? i got really? two words here i got you don't think okay go ahead go ahead i got two words flu game that's oh. all i have to say okay. and jordan wins this because here be brady here you know? brady is talking about a hand injury right and he's complaining you don't see that with michael jordan he played it's one a, of his, he played one of his best games ever with the flu i don't care that's why jordan still tops it for me well we got to pass it to tony one more time yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's well said, too. Um, I, I guess in the end, for me, it, it's going to come down to the fact that, uh, well, let, let me ask you this. Do you remember the year Tom Brady went out when his leg was blown up on that play? Yeah, that was game? Matt Castle, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you remember what Matt Castle's record was? I feel no, like it was a losing record, but yeah. I feel like I'm going to be proven wrong here. Patriots went 10 and 6. Wow. 10 and 6, okay? Um, we, we, we got a taste of Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett last year. Do you remember mm -hmm. what the Patriots went those four games? Did they go four and up? Or three and one? They went three and one. Yeah. They, they lost one of the Brissett games. And then, but they, they went three and one. So we've seen Bill Belichick with the system he has in place here in New England, even without Tom Brady for those, for those brief amount of games, still win at the same mm -hmm. percentage he, he won before. Look at Phil Jackson's record. Well, I mean, you don't have to look at it because he played with Kobe and Shaq in right. Los Angeles. You can't really compare. But I'm just going to look at Bill Jackson's record running a team with the New York Knicks. Yeah. When he yeah, doesn't have Jordan or when he doesn't have Kobe and Shaq, well, he's just the guy. Uh, I mean, that, that, mm. that, that's kind of what it came down to for me. I mean, so, I, yeah, I almost want to say with that point because, well, first of all, I hate the phrase system quarterback. And I would never apply it to a guy like Tom Brady. But those are the kinds of things you see with other players. How much are they helped by their coach? In one way, could you say that Tom Brady's greatness has to always be attached to Bill Belichick then? Because how big of a factor... Yeah, yeah, but same as Trooper Belichick. He's always going to be attached right. to Brady. And that's, these are not bad problems. These are good right. problems to have historically. Um, uh, Joe Montana won his games with, with Bill Walsh. Okay, I mean, I mean no, one, no one's you know, only that against him, um, or, or for either one of them. So um, I, I honestly think if that's fine. That I'm never going to dock a point for somebody because they have to have a good coach or have to have – I think in the NFL it's different than the NBA because one player has such an outsized role on the floor with five or you know, four 
other teammates and, mm-hmm. and nine other players on, on the floor at any one time. Um, of course, quarterback has the most outside role on a football field, but only affecting one half the game. And, you know, Brady won a Super Bowl. He gets another ring because Matt Butler made an interception on the last play of the game because Pete Carroll foolishly mm-hmm. tried to pass the ball instead of running it with beef boat. That's a win for Brady. No one... No one historically now will go back and be like, you know, he's five and two, but he really should be four and three because they should have lost that game. Right. He single-handedly gave them the win last year. He single-handedly, you know, had a had a two-minute drill in his first Super Bowl against the Rams, and and, and also winning against the Panthers. You know, the margins are so thick, though. I, I know. I, I talked about it before. Those Giants game, you know, could have won those games. You know, totally. They lost those games, and that's five and two. And, and that's same true with the last two Super Bowl wins. Just go back and look at that Seahawks game. That's a loss for the Patriots. Sure. 99 times out of 100. And then last year, 28-3 trailing. That's Brady's comeback. It's, it's, it's his masterpiece. It's his, you know, it's his Sistine Chapel. But that's a loss. 99 times out of 100. Yeah. Even more than that. So uh, that's, what, that's the difference between 5-2 and 2-5. Two, and two and or, or three and, and four in Super Bowl, then we're not even having this conversation. That's, Jordan doesn't have those games. Yeah. He doesn't. Well, I was going to say, to, to your point, Michael Jordan had to win six seven-game series. Well, obviously less, but he would win four games every single time to get that ring, not just one. Yeah. So that's a right, very right, good right, point, right. too. Right, and it wasn't really pushed to the limit seven-game series in, in much of those. Most of those were uh, were were pretty sure, sure things as they were playing out, you know, a couple – Tight series against the Jazz in a game when he shot in Game Six, mm-hmm. but but so that to me that there's something to be said for six and zero yeah. versus five and two could be six and two. Right. But even when I look at that six and two, I'm like, yeah, they got to six and two. Could have been four and four. That's true. So Jack, Real you have quick, a point. Yeah. And your next quote. Um, yeah. So we were talking about Belichick uh, being the greatest behind Brady before. I just like to bring up Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers now. Look that's how great true. they were. That's true. Uh, ending out the season. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's an attestment to. That's a good point. Belichick. Well, would that be to Belichick making him become a better quarterback, or is that showing that Garoppolo can come outside of that system? You know. That's, Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pumped I'm to see the 49ers. I'm not overrate what six games was. Uh, for the worst team in football or the second worst by <laughs> Cleveland for the last two and a half years. I'm not going to overrate what games in November and December are in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, I think Garoppolo's got a bright future. Uh, I think he can be totally really like. I think he could be even better than that. Um, um, and, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens with that. But I don't think we should be struggling up the last month of the season that most teams are just packing it in anyway. That's true. Yeah, very good point there. But it's still something to see. I'm really excited to see Jimmy G next year. But, Jack, to your second quote. Yeah, um, so I don't know if you're going to get who said this. <laughs> okay. Um, just, just trying to figure this out. Sure, sure, right. sure. We've got a lot of things to cover, a lot of things to go over. I just hope that everybody rallies behind this team a little bit, and I hope we all rally behind the survivors and we make our community a better place. This is NCAA, wow. by this, the way. What? Yeah. This is basketball. Y- yeah, sure. NCAA, it's a tricky question. Yeah, this is. But wait, is this about the whole Olympics gymnastics? Is this the Michigan State? Yes. This is the Michigan, Michigan State? State uh, coach Tom AD? Izzo. Oh, it's Tom no, Izzo. this is basketball. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's about the whole. It's about uh, Larry Nasser. Yeah. Um, I really just want to bring this up because uh, Tony, on your show, I thought you did a very good job addressing this whole issue. I thought you. Yeah. that you did it a lot better and more consistently than a lot of the other shows on ESPN. And I just think that even us here, um, we're a form of media, even though we're not that large <laughs> right now, but I feel like this is just something that needs to be addressed 
uh, constantly and consistently. Mm -hmm. um, so real quick, I just want to kind of get into this. Um, so this is following the wake of the sentencing of Larry Nasser. He was a the USA Olympic gymnast coach, or sorry, no, doctor, doctor, my bad, and the Michigan State uh, doctor as well. So he pleaded guilty to 10 counts of criminal sexual uh, conduct, and more than 150 women have accused him of sexual right. assault. Um, and I just think that this is disgusting for multiple reasons. So he's sentenced up to 175 years in prison. Mm -hmm. um, the during the court session, um, I'm blanking on the judge's name, but she said, I just signed your death warrant. I wouldn't right. even send my dogs to you. Yep. This guy is despicable, disgusting. But in the long run, this is terrible that the Olympics and even Michigan State, you know, shush people and kept this quiet. It reminds me of Penn State. Uh, yeah. it, it draws that comparison. Yeah. But I think that this is different than the Me Too movement or the Time's Up movement where the whole media and the industry came down hard on it. Mm -hmm. We're not really seeing that with sports. And I'm going to ask for your take on it, but real quick, I think that this is something that is hard to do because you see with some of these gymnasts, their parents, you know, kind of keeping it quiet even. And I feel like there's this whole stigma around sports where you just got to be tough and you got to play through and there's a certain level of greatness that you have to reach no matter the cost. And... You see this sometimes with like travel sports now where kids are having to give up most of their childhood and play. Uh. Um, and I just think that this is an issue that seriously needs to really be addressed and blown out of proportion. I'm incredibly impressed you guys are, are taking this on to talk about it. I, I want to compliment you on that. I want to thank you for the nice thing you said about how Around the Horn uh, talked about it last week and and outside the lines, especially on ESPN, did, did an yeah, incredible yeah. job. It did, did much of the investigative journalism here, of course, too. Uh, mm -hmm. We were providing opinion. I was providing my own view of it. I think it's the most important story in America. Um, I think, um, and then that's for, for a couple of reasons. Now, you start this conversation talking about, uh, I think it was Tom Izzo, right? I mean, that's that, that yes. who the was from? Or, okay, yeah, it was so from Izzo. Tom Izzo. This is the lead story of Around the Horn today, because that's really we're going to talk about this. And... You know, they may be Maryland the basketball game of little to no import. It mm. doesn't matter. What matters what happened and how Izzo and Mark Antonio, the, the head football coach, are talking about afterwards. Now, now this story, what we saw, and you introduced the U.S. gymnastics side of it and, and an evil doctor, and, and I think it's okay for us to understand that one person was was doing things. I mean, was was the face of evil, as, as the judge said. Mm. But that does not explain the entire issue, because in order for that to happen, I mean, that, that, that's, what we, that's what we do as a people. I'm trying to locate all of us. We, 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 we want to hold somebody accountable and put all our negative feelings into a box and say, this is who's responsible. We'll deal with them to the furthest extent of the law, and then we can move on. And that's why I think the media struggles with this in stories specifically like this, and why I'm proud of you guys to address. Unfortunately, uh, uncomfortable conversations are, are tough to have, but they're so necessary to have because what we've seen, and I said this on Around the Horn, this is with Penn State, as you definitely pointed out. This is with the abuse scandal in the Catholic Church. This is with many, many abuse scandals. When the conversations are hidden, and not out in the open, there's no chance for 
people to understand how real they are and how expansive they are. And now we're talking about the expanse of what is um, cover-up here at Michigan State. You're, you're attached to the basketball program, attached to the football program. Not that there was an evil doctor in gymnastics who was working for the office, but that the greater university and athletic department was hearing of allegations from the gymnastics coach who was on campus, also from players and athletes uh, in all sports, football, basketball. We have to locate ourselves in all of this. We're not pointing fingers here. We have to recognize this is systemic, this is systemic sexism and why it's not being talked about um, with the U.S. gymnastics team as much. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the definition of systemic, that it's going to affect all of us, and all of us are capable of being involved in it. So the basketball team has something that is going to be discovered now. The allegations are that they knew of, um, uh, of a cover-up. Three dozen Michigan State athletes, and uh, an athlete who became a coach on the staff of the basketball team, have been uh, alleged to have committed sexual assault crimes. Mm-hmm. And the university covered it up, and the NCA covered it up. And here, and I'll t- I know we're, we're tight on time here, and I'm we're, really we're good, proud actually. of you for addressing this. But what this is about is a greater feeling that the team and what we do is bigger than people, bigger than um, indiscretions, as the team might say. But what we're talking about is actual crimes. This is what we saw with Penn State. How can we take down Sam Dusty? He's part of and Joe Paterno. He's, that's the whole school. That's our identity. No, it's not. Our identity, our identity is something not does not need to be linked to the success of our football team, the success of our Final Four basketball team, the success of our gold medal gymnastics program. And they, there's a phrase, and we talked about this one around the horn a few weeks ago, keep it in house. We need to get to a place where... Well, we don't even have a house to keep things in. This is talking about the box that we put things in the hide. Uh, if we're going to hide things in the house, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. So when, when you hear a program say we need to keep it in house, let, let, let's solve this problem ourselves, quite often that they come to cover up with that. And I think that's what we're seeing here in, in Michigan State, in the NCAA, and that's what's happening in America all over the place uh, when we're hearing about crimes of sexual harassment in offices, and much worse than that as well. Yeah, I mean, something you started your point off with, which was very well delivered, just like it was on Around the Horn, was that, you know, these are the kinds of things that we as people want to put in a box and put away and store away once we've heard it, once we've sentenced the man. Oh, the... It, it, it's uncomfortable for us. Exactly. It's sickening for us. It's frightening for us. Some of us are parents, and we wonder where our kids would be in this and our, our kids in James Exactly. Um, some of us, you know, um, want sports to be, well, that's my chance to, to get away from life, and exactly. I just want to enjoy my team, my big team. I just want my team to win, you know? Um, so people do not get that release from, from whatever it is we're talking about, but just the ability to enjoy sports on its own. And, and this, this is what happens when something becomes too big and, 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 and programs mm-hmm. become too big, the deification of our sports exactly. programs, of our athletes, of our coaches. Joe Paterno is a very good football coach. Um, the U.S. Gymnastics program, as it was run, was, was a very successful program. 
that's so what it, 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 it stops there. These people, mm -hmm. uh, because they're successful or good people in interviews or, or, or win ball games or whatever, that doesn't mean they make the correct decisions at all times in all matters. And history has found that we may have made very, very poor decisions in, in many cases when it comes to everybody's ability to live a life and, and live comfortably and be safe on their campus. And that's, that's the expose that we're seeing right now, that these schools, um, they thought of their program bigger, bigger than everything else. I mean, exactly. I wanted to finish that second half by saying because of that uncomfortability, because we want to store it away, the problem is once we finish that one specific uh, aspect or one specific example of this problem, which is much major, we are just looking away from any other instances that it might be presented in the rest of the world, you know? And that's the problem because like we're all saying, I think this is a much more present topic and problem than we may be giving it credit, you know? Not, and credit sounds like a positive word, but just acknowledging yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, we were talking about Michigan State before too. Besides Nasser, um, there was Travis Walton who has taken a leave of absence from the LA Clippers G League affiliate, but he was a student assistant coach for Izzo in 2010, wow. um, and yeah. there's been some... Yeah, so that, that's the specifics of Michigan State and Izzo's yeah. comment this past week. So the light that was shined on um, the program through a scandal that involved 156 young women who were in the U.S. gymnastics program. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. That's not dozens. No. That's dozens of dozens of dozens of dozens of dozens of dozens. <laughs> Um, yeah. That light that was shined on by, by members of the media and investigative journalists in a couple of papers and on outside the line has now uncovered something that was going on in different programs in the basketball program. And this is not to vilify Michigan State. This is to acknowledge that this is happening yet again at another institution that thought itself bigger than everything else. Mm, yes. And the fact of the matter is, that applies in sports, applies outside of sports. That, that, that applies to, um, you know, Weinstein's movie house. It applies to, you know, uh, whatever else, you know, is all organizations have to come and, and, and have their moment here where they examine. I mean, this is, this is part of what we do at, at CBA, and hopefully you'll do it at some of your fine colleges. You'll learn mm -hmm. how to inform and then question, and then challenge your belief, challenge where it is you do. Nobody was challenging the program when they found out they, the first dozen students had come forward, or the first dozen right. students had been accused of a crime with the basketball program. Um, no, nobody was challenging what that was. They were trying to, they weren't confronting it, they were trying to hide it. And, that, and that's what we're going to find out in, in this program, I believe. And we're going to find out in many more programs when the light shines out. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I, um, so. yeah. I think we have about 10 more minutes. I think Jack has, I mean, we're both free for this period. So we yeah, have no, about we're 10 good. more we, minutes we to finish time, up. So. Um, so, I mean, that definitely was a topic that we needed to address. Um, yeah, sorry to bring the mood down. No, I know, I know, yeah. But I think <laughs> but that was, that know, was much like needed. To so I'm going to move to You know to what, my... it's, it's, you know, I do this every day around the morning. It, it, it's great to talk about Joel and Beanie versus Russell Westbrook. Right. It, it's wonderful <laughs> to break down the Super Bowl from a, from a different angle every day for the entire week leading up. Um, these are stories that are important to talk about because, again, they, they hide in the shadows. And, and it's easy 
for you not to consider it sports. It's easy for you to not, well, that's not part of the game. And then this is, this is part of the problem I've had with uh, where we've been the last three or five years in our industry, uh, a, a groundswell of stick to sports, which I do not subscribe to. I, do not, I know I'm a host of a sports show. I like sports as much as anybody. Um, but sports is connected to so many different things. And to ignore what happens in those connections just because they don't happen on a playing field is, is foolish and it's not true. It's not honest to the full picture of what something is. And, and that's why it's important to talk about it. And, you, and we should be able to talk about all different things. And, and that's why I'm really proud of you guys for, for being here. And, you know, this is, oh. this is something bigger than sports. I mean, when you break down sports to what they are at their basis, it's two teams playing against each other. It's, two, it's basically two uniforms playing against each other because players come and go. You know, the determination and grit, that's all there. But these stories are the ones that encapture every aspect of society, every aspect of culture, and For sure. really need to be reported. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two uniforms. I'm not, I'm not going to take the credit for that. That was, that was a Netflix special, a comedy special. So. Yeah, okay. So I was going to say, if you made that up, that was really well No, no. Said. Comedy right. special on Netflix. I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but... Yeah. I thought it was really good. Thought I'd slide it in. Tell people they're only cheering for laundry. They're not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're I love it. Uh, all right, I'm gonna move to my final quote. Um, this one's from the MLB because we have to touch on some other sports here for sure. Uh, okay, there was a lot of stuff this off season that was out of the norm. For me, it's almost a, almost more of a relief that it's over and get back to playing baseball and doing what I love to do. I'm just excited for the fresh start. Who's this about and who is he addressing? You know. I, well, I mean, recently there was the Brewers big deal. Well, the Brewers made multiple moves, yeah. yeah. I would say they're the only real team involved here, but let's see. Who okay. said it and I'm, who's he talking I'm about? I'm going to go with Yelich. Okay, right? okay, okay. All right. And, and who's he talking? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who he's talking. I'll take the half point. You'll take, it's Christian Yelich, and I mean, Tony, I take myself as more of the baseball expert here, and Jack's the basketball, so this might be a little bit of a cheap okay. shot okay. here. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I got um, for you coming up. This is Christian Yelich, who was traded from the Marlins to the Brewers, and yes. he's addressing the Miami Marlins' crazy offseason. Derek Jeter, who I love. I mean, we're all Yankee fans here, <laughs> or at least <laughs> us two are. Yeah. And, I mean, he takes over the team, and I think the first thing that any new owner wanted to do for Miami was trade Giancarlo Sanchez. Easier said than done with the contract he had. Of course, they go to the, the Yankees who have the money to take most of that contract. I believe 90% of it. However, for some reason, Derek Jeter really wanted to bring in a complete fresh start. And I think when he traded Marcelo Zuna to the Cardinals, this gave Yelich, who was the final member of that very young, very talented outfield, he was the only one remaining who was still on that team. And he thought he was going to be playing with a triple-A team up in the major leagues. So the fact that Yelich did not in any way want to stay in Miami, I think that's what he was showing in this quote. And I'm really excited to see what this Brewers team can do, adding Yelich and Lorenzo Cain as a signing in free agency. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tag, I'm gonna hop on that real quick. Yeah, um, yeah please. <laughs> so Lewis uh, Brinson is, is yes. uh, he's a powerful dude, raw power. Um, he can come in at center for the Marlins. So you think that one of the top prospects who was drafted yeah, I is think so. ready for the MLB? And I think they're gonna send Sierra uh, down to work on hitting. Okay, I think that's okay. a move there. Very good points there because 
I, I don't want to say that the Marlins got robbed in the Stanton deal, but we gave up a lot less than we had to. But the two packages they brought in from the Cardinals and the Brewers, I think, are very respectable. And Tony, I don't know how much you addressed this move last week, or if you have it all. Well, I'll but... say this. I'll say this. I, I, I think what we've seen in baseball, and we've seen this in basketball as well, you can apply it to the Philadelphia 76ers, but hmm. you saw the Houston Astros win a World Series four years removed from being the worst team in baseball. Right. And... The way, and tanking is what you call it in the NBA, cleaning house is what you call it in baseball. Mm-hmm. The way they cleaned house and, 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 and did it in just four years is envious. Uh, I think teams can be envious of this. So to, to, to go after uh, rebuilding in a different way than, than you know, maybe your fans want to do is fine. Right. To do it yeah. in a way that, that, that scrapping the whole thing, it hurts. It hurts. I think what's happening here with the Marlins, first and foremost, is Derek Jeter has been, in a lot of people's minds, not mine, over-celebrated his entire playing career. Okay. And now that he's running a team and, and doing it in a way that is polarizing and, and very much taking his lumps early on, as the Astros did and as the Sixers did, mm-hmm. I think people are over-critical of what this is. Hey, if you don't think you can win, and they had, a, they, had a, they had a good young nucleus, but they, you know, weren't the worst team in baseball, but they were hangering, hovering, hovering, you know, right below 500 for the last couple of years. Right. If you don't think that's going to, you know, break you through in your division and in, and in league, then I think the way to go is, is is a different direction. And I think the Astros showed a pretty good blueprint. So, that, so that, that, that's one thought of that. And the other thought of that is, well, who would you rather be, you know? Uh, a fan of a team that, that is totally scrapped out, but in your lifetime, if you're, if you're 40, 25 years old, even if you're 15, you've seen one or two championships mm-hmm. with the Marlins, or would you rather be a Mets fan? Mm. And I think the answer is, don't be a Mets fan. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> I do agree there, and I think it's a good point, and I immediately thought of the Pirates as well, who dealt Garrett Cole to the Astros, mm. and and McCutcheon as well to the Giants. So I think they're another team who has come under fire for doing that because they're two star players that the Pirates were rallying around, Pirates fans. Um, But that's a very good point. I think if you're in the middle of the pack and you're not making a playoff push, it's the best time is the present to make a move and bring in a new, not not a new cornerstone maybe, but bring in new pieces and look towards the future. So... um, yeah, let's move to your last yeah, point because real quick so we can yeah, finish up. Got a few more um, minutes for sure. So this is NBA. Okay, I'm going to tell you that this is LeBron saying it because you'll know. <laughs> believe me, right. um, you're gonna have to fill in the blanks oh. of the two players he's talking about here. <laughs> this is for the win because I have one point, you have one point five. So if I get them both right, okay, I'm all right, right here all right, we go. Now this is gonna decide it. Good. This right. is the decider. Blank and blank. Okay. Just simply amazing. Sheesh, man. No. <laughs> Multiple flame emojis following that. <laughs> so wait, was this like Twitter? Was this this like, is Twitter, oh, of course. Oh my gosh. All right. All right, I'm not... I... The sheesh. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Oh my goodness. So it's it's an NBA player, right? It's not him talking about a different sport or anything. No, okay, okay. Uh, so I immediately thought all-star draft, you know? Um, and I immediately thought Kevin Durant was one of his top picks. And I could be totally on the ball. I could be totally <laughs> away from it here. I, I, I mean, I'm going to, because we're pressed for time, I'm going to say Kevin Durant. Well, Kevin Durant is not one. Oh, boy. But there's two, so you get one other. Well, am I even one close other guess. at this point? <laughs> uh, uh, you're in the ballpark. Man, 
I have no clue. Um, I'll take the dub. I'll yeah, you're going to take the win. I'll, <laughs> All right. I'll take, like, I'll take Anthony Davis or somebody. Both wrong. Both yeah, wrong. Yeah, we're, it's we're, Kyrie and Steph. They oh, had my God. Celtics-Warriors matchup the other night. Oh, uh, Saturday night. Uh, it was the battle of the point guards. Curry with a season high, 49 points. Kyrie at 37. Combined 86. Awesome game. Came down to the wire. This is looking like an Eastern Finals matchup, and Whoa. I am pumped. Celtics Warriors. Sorry, a finals, finals matchup. matchup. Yeah, yeah. Finals matchup. I was because I had some I stuff on the Cavs here too. Go for um, it. So I think the Cavs are kind of on their way out here. I mean, we say this like every January <laughs> though, and then all of a sudden LeBron like turns it up even another notch. Yeah. And they make it like to the final. Um, but I also want to talk real quick about Curry's All Star team because this is going to be kind of a, I guess I'll say a warm take. But I think Curry's <laughs> team is going to win this game and be better in the game than LeBron's. Okay. Um, I think he picked players that a he has chemistry with. He's got Clay and Draymond Green. Okay. I think he has amazing shooters. Basketball is a game of threes. Hate to break it to you guys, but True. Uh, you know he's got Harden. He's got uh, Kyle Lowry, Dame Dalla, uh, oh even God. Jimmy Butler. Um, yeah. And then he, he has guys who are dominant scorers in their own regions. You see the Greek freak. He's dominant dunker. You got Embiid. He's yeah. a dominant post scorer. You got DeRozan. I just think that this team will mesh a lot better together and put up way more points than, say, LeBron's. <laughs> I, feel I, I think could, LeBron's just all I think I could insane. sell LeBron's team in the same way, but I'm, we're a little pressure time, so, so I'm not going to do that. But I do want to hear. Yeah. Final, final thing I want to bring up is LeBron's sure. team, on the other hand. Oh, I think in LeBron's head, he's leaving after this year, I'm thinking. Wow. And he's looking at players that he wants to play with potentially. Wow. I think he's looking at Aldridge because he wants to play potentially on the Spurs. Even Beal and Wall are on the same team. You may look at the Wizards. You see Paul George there, who we had rumored to maybe be going to the Lakers with. Oh, Even guys boy. like Porzingis he's able to play no, with right now. Stop. I'm not <laughs> – hey, I, I like the way the Knicks are going right, right, right now. Right. Um, and even AD and Boogie before Boogie <laughs> got injured, uh, you know, that that's a, a star team too if you get yeah. those three guys together. So I think he was just kind of fleshing it out and, you know, figuring out what's – who works well with him? Who can join the banana wow. boat crew? Oh my goodness! And uh, you know, sip some Pinot on the weekend. <laughs> There's your hot take of the week. All right, Tony, what do you think about all that? <laughs> so wait, wait. So so, how, what was the scoring ruling there? So, so, uh, well, I, I completely missed. I told you, you the choked. cheap shots. The, the NBA cheap yeah, shot yeah. was going to come in. So <laughs> Jack is our champion. We might add there some audio and post. If not, uh, uh, you know. But let's let's hear your well, take real on quick, that. real oh, quick. Oh, I think Aiden brought up some good points here. What do we rate him on the around the horn scale? Do we oh. think he gets a win here? No. <laughs> <laughs> if you're asking for points, you're getting a mute button. That's exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, I've got the picking Cavs. I'm sorry, Celtics Warriors could be the NBA Finals. Who needs to be the NBA Finals? Mm -hmm. Two games this year. They are one point separated in those two games this year, yeah. 196 to 195, I think wow. it is. So uh, that, that, that's, I, I love to see uh, Curry and, and Kyrie go up against each other in, in this current installment of this rivalry that they have against each other because what they did this weekend was awesome. Um, so that, that's the first take on it. The second take of it, I 100% I agree with the idea that LeBron is – Taking the temperature of um, with his draft pick, taking the temperature of his free agency, and, and and wondering. But I'll throw two other options out here that would make for me a more interesting free agency summer. Right? Consider playing with Giannis in Milwaukee. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. But even more so than that, something like more is consider signing with Philadelphia. I think an option here of playing with Embiid 
and playing with Ben Simmons. Oh we didn't make the all-star team this year, but it is it's certainly right there, and, and we'll be an all-star going forward. And probably the rookie of the year. Uh, it's right? essentially two yeah. LeBrons on the same and, team. And the so, so that would be something I'd love to see. Before I can play in San Antonio with Pop, and that would be interesting, before I see him going to Los Angeles, which is going to be a longer rebuild, I think Philadelphia would be a very intriguing and oh. sexy move for LeBron James <laughs> to roll him out there with Embiid and Ben Simmons. So I mean, that, that's where my geez. head is right now. <laughs> Stop. I totally like, agree. I mean... That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're right. You could go to the Lakers and have Lonzo Ball and that kind of rebuilding move, but you go to a team who we've said has been in a rebuild for the last three seasons, and we compared them to the Astros just a few minutes ago, but they have the pieces, like two arguably all-stars on that team. I mean, Robert Covington would be coming off the bench. We'd hope that Markel Fultz would get healthy by then. J.J. Redick, if I'm missing anybody else, please tell me, but that is a stacked team, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's enough. I, it, enough would be LeBron, Ben Simmons, and Jerome B. Exactly. I, I, I just think it would be a fascinating big three there. And and it would be a way for, for um, Cleveland is not his future anymore. I don't I think so. That, I, I never thought I would say that a year ago, but now now that's where I am. I, it's so, uh, crazy. I this thought... is what makes the NBA the most fun league in the in the offseason, because anything is possible. That's so true. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, because you don't see too many giant trades in the NBA, maybe one a year during the regular season, but the offseason, it just heats up. It, yeah. Outside of trades, though, this has been a fun NBA season. We went from fist fights to hospital beds real <laughs> quick. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and like we saw last night, the whole Embiid-Westbrook rivalry that we were kind of talking up. We don't have a quote for that, but that was entertaining, was it yeah. not? I mean... All right, and since we're at the end here, I, I gotta, I gotta stick something on the record. No senior quotes in the yearbook. What is the academy <laughs> coming to here? I have no idea. Well, we are definitely gonna take this soundbite from there and show CBA that. <laughs> I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. A yeah, Hall of Fame member right here. At the very least, make it senior emojis. You guys <laughs> put on some emoji in the yearbook. All right? It shows, it Max, shows that we're moving. Yeah, we we are supposed to be fostering. I, I, First off, it's, it's true. You have to have a quote. You can't just say it's a Baptist in a cell. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of here. But, um, yeah, I think senior quotes in your book are a necessity. So let's see if we can get that back. And, I mean, that kind of felt like your 30 seconds of victory on Around the Horn. That's what I was thinking <laughs> yeah. there. But if, if senior quotes on each page are not in there, I hope senior quotes of the podcast is somewhere in the yearbook. Uh, come on. I mean, yeah, I, I, had, nice. I had to try for that. Yeah. Nice. But um, we're going to cut it there. Thank you so much for staying for this 50 minutes. That was an awesome conversation. Great, so great thank time. you so much for fun. calling in. We're sorry that your schedule couldn't work out today to show up. But... If you are around later in the semester. Yes, please. Yes, we are looking forward to that. So thank you so much for joining us and thanks everybody for listening. If you are a new listener, we are on iTunes and I'm so excited about that as well. iTunes, SoundCloud, we'll be tweeting it out. Follow the Twitter. Um, We might even get this one up on Facebook. uh, Oh, Mr. Lutz was saying. Go for it. All right, so thank you so much, Tony, and everybody have a great day.